Welcome, rockers, one and all. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing spectacular. You know why? Because we have entered another episode of And The Podcast Will Rock. That is right. It is our weekly show where we dive into the catalog, the discography of one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, Van Halen. I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Kamire. Join with me as always, Corey Morissette. Corey, isn't there a birthday that's happening right now or did happen? Uh, There is as we record this show. It is the uh, birthday of one Edward Van Halen, uh, born 67 years ago today and unfortunately passed on. But uh, it was just kind of a happy coincidence that we were recording on this night. And originally, we were going to record with our special guest last week. But work and COVID and a whole bunch of things got in the way. So he agreed to come on this week. And it's kind of apropos. It's on Edward Van Halen's birthday. And it's my absolute pleasure to welcome uh, one and all um, from the recognized symbol of excellence uh, in in, uh, rock and roll podcasting. The one and only gunslinger himself, Chris L., is here from Pot of Thunder. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here this evening. Uh, The pleasure's all mine. Appreciate the invite. Oh, man, because I've mentioned on the show before, but uh, we walked because Pot of Thunder ran, and they started way, way, way back when and started a little podcast uh, on the classic rock band Kiss and covered every single one of their songs. Uh, and, and broke them down, kind of like how we do, just pick a random song every single week. Uh, and I fell in love with this podcast. I think I first heard you guys on one of Chris Jericho's show, and I thought, geez, I got to check this out. I wasn't the world's biggest Kiss fan at the time, but I've gone back to episode one, and I'm starting to listen through them all, and your show has really made me into a huge Kiss fan. Like, I really appreciate this band so much more, and I, I really want to thank you for kind of introducing me uh, to the glory and wonder that is uh, Kiss. Yeah, the, the you know they get a lot of lot of heat for the shtick and how you know Paul and Gene carry on, but uh, you know the, the the music's legit. There's there's certainly a lot of crap in the catalog as well, but uh, the top shelf stuff is exactly that measures up with uh, with any other you know seventies eighties band in my opinion. Absolutely, and I got to say for uh, Pot of Thunder fans, I am one hundred percent Team Chris when it comes to Got Love for Sale. I hadn't heard that song, and I was waiting until uh, you guys covered it on the show, and I heard uh, uh, Nick's side, and I heard your side, and uh, I'm 100% with you, my friend. Got Love for Sale is a classic Kiss track. Yeah, and I believe uh, there's a, there's demos out there of the Van Halen brothers uh, playing on uh, early, very demo versions of that one, so that kind of adds to the mystique and the appeal of it, but... Uh, yeah, that that's a good one. I think uh, most normal people are on my side, and most uh, psychopaths are on uh, Nick's side with that one. Now, uh, Ooh, you, you mentioned, boy, yeah, oh, it, it's I, I love the rapport that uh, Chris has with the Jones brothers. But you mentioned there is kind of a, a, a connection between Kiss and Van Halen, in that uh, Gene kind of discovered uh, Van Halen and uh, helped him produce some demos uh, way back when. And the rumor legend even has it that uh, Eddie wanted to join Kiss. And Gene said, no, no, uh, you stay with Van Halen. Now, both Paul and uh, Eddie at the time said uh, they don't recall that happening, 
that Gene may be embellishing, uh, which uh, I, I glean is kind of a, a thing with Gene Simmons. He tends to embellish maybe a little bit. What? No. <laughs> Him? Yeah, embellish about uh, stories from the past, the uh, the majesty of his own uh, penis. It doesn't matter what the subject is. It, 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 every, everything's a fish story with Gene, so... <laughs> It's some some of my favorite pot of thunders is when uh, you you call him out on his bullshit, like when he claimed that all of the Beatles wanted to perform on his uh, solo record. <laughs> yeah, all of them, like all four of them. Yeah, he was going to get all the Beatles yeah. uh, to perform on his album. Yeah, they were all uh, all set to go, and they just couldn't get it together. So you know, mm. yeah, yeah. One of the <laughs> that. There was a little trick with uh, with John. He just you know he just he just couldn't make it. <laughs> right, yeah. He had some other things come up that day, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, one of the, my favorite things of Pot of Thunder is when, when you guys break down the great songs, it's a great analysis of fantastic music. But when you rip into some of the shittier stuff, like on Gene's solo album, When You Wish Upon a Star, that's one of the most <laughs> god-awful things I've ever heard in my life. But I, yeah. I just love listening to you guys eviscerate those tracks. Yeah, yeah, that's what most people say. the 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 worse the song, the the better the episode. So we uh we did pretty well on uh, the the couple of episodes that Corey and I just did not think uh, were Van Halen's best. Uh, maybe one of them was last week. Maybe not. I you, know, you guys go back and tune in to uh, to see what the verdict was, but. Uh, yeah, definitely check out Pot of Thunder, man. It's a great show. I finally, uh, Corey uh, really got me into listening to this thing, so I finally checked it out, and I said, okay, cool. I was already on board with Kiss. The band did amazing things in a four-chord structure only, uh, but hearing uh, the dissection of these songs, it, it's definitely worth a listen, so definitely check that out. And... Uh, but speaking of, we're, we're talking about Van Halen. It's it's the Van Halen show. That's what you came in for. That's what we're all here for. And as you know, if you are a frequent listener to the uh, many episodes we have, it's not that many, but you know what I'm saying, we do things just like the Pot of Thunder guys. We spin the wheel and we pick a random song, usually. That is not what we're doing tonight. Corey, what are we doing tonight? Well, tonight, and we, we kind of uh, talked about this whenever we have a special guest on the show is we would give them the option of either spinning the wheel and taking a random track or giving the guest their choice. And we thought because it was Eddie Van Halen's birthday, it's a little special occasion. So uh, Chris decided, and rightly so, that he would like to maybe talk about one of his favorite tracks. And actually, uh, one of the tracks that got you into Van Halen. Maybe you could tell us that story. Well, it's actually the track that got me uh, into Van Halen. Um, so, uh, if, do you guys do a reveal of the song, or does everybody knows it by the title? We can reveal. I can reveal what it is, or should I just? No, you yeah, you can reveal. They they know from the title what it is. Yeah. Okay. As our <laughs> listeners know from the title anyway, but we for some reason act like there's some some degree of suspense before we reveal the song, which <laughs> is really what only amongst ourselves because we don't know what we're going to be doing, but. Um, so yeah, back in the late seventies, um, uh, you know, I was just well in the in the Detroit area where I grew up. You know, one of the big uh, 
radio stations was CKLW out of Windsor, Canada. And, um, you know, that was, that was a station that really um, sort of introduced me to a lot of different types of music. Because, I mean, you would, uh, you know, on that station you would hear Bad Company followed by the Bee Gees and you know kind of a mix uh mix of stuff uh you never knew what you were going to get which is one of the, the appeals of the of the station and um you know that combined with all the the ktel compilation albums my mom would buy me you know i had a had a nice appreciation for a wide variety of music back in the day but i i hadn't quite yet um discovered uh album-oriented rock stations, uh, FM stations. And um, back in the day, you know, Detroit was a market that could uh, support four of those stations. Um, and one of them uh, had a, had a uh, commercial that had, like, this cartoon dog that was a superhero, had, a like, a cape blown in the wind, and just, uh, you know, so that kind of drew me in. But uh, the, so the, the soundtrack of it was the main riff to Out of Love Again. And I just remember, you know, once I once that kicked in and I heard it, it was just like, what the hell is that? I've never heard anything like that on CKLW. And then, you know, what's this radio station on the FM dial was at WABX. 99.5 and you know I went and switched over to that and uh, you know that's that's really how I uh, kind of um, you know moved away from CKLW and I was also a, a big KISS fan but 79 was the year where you know between Van Halen 2 and like Highway to Hell um, those were the two albums that sort of steered me down you know uh, the harder rock road and um so yeah for that reason the 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 first album somehow eluded me but you know i was drawn in by the riff of this song lured me over to uh fm radio and you know started hearing all the van halen songs including this one and then later on that year i you know begged my dad to get me a guitar and start taking lessons and you know the rest is, uh, as they say, history from that. But, uh, you know, this this song and riff in particular kind of changed my life, certainly changed my, uh, you know, life in terms of my musical appreciation. Wow. And, Mark, I know you've mentioned on the show again, before yeah. that Van Halen 2 is actually probably your favorite Van Halen album. Uh, it is. Just basically, I mean... I don't know why, and that's no disrespect to uh, Van Halen 1 or any of the Van Halen albums out there, but this one in particular, maybe it's just the way it's, uh, way it's, the album is structured, perhaps it's, it's just the songs themselves. Not sure what it is. Uh, Corey, you gave me a, a neat little nugget before we were recording uh, that they recorded this album in a week, so that alone gives me such a high appreciation for it because how do you who would have thought you, you got a week to record this out maybe they didn't even have a week they just decided yeah it's a week and we're done and that's what you turned out that's that one in a million shot that it was going to be as uh 
uh, spectacular, in my opinion, as it is. Also, it's a follow-up album. You know, it's not even uh, an album later down the road where they're just like, I mean, what are we going to do? I don't know. We got a week to do this. Sure. Let's let's shit out whatever we got. Like, no, no, no. You gave us Van Halen 2. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I mean, just a, just a different caliber of musicianship back then. You know, I, I don't know that we'll see the like. Uh, no disrespect to bands out there if you're doing that as well, but yeah, that's what it was. Hey, you know, maybe there's and, some. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that the other thing about like what you're talking about there, um, you know, with the first, well, really any the first three, um, you know, Fair Warning, which is my favorite Van Halen album. Van Halen Two is second, but um, um, you know, Fair Warning was a little more polished, uh, you know, darker album. And Women and Children First is pretty dark too, but, you know, kind of less of a party album and more of a hard rock album and, and kind of polished. But those first three albums, to make go back to the Kiss comparison, if you listen to the first three Kiss albums, studio albums, you know, there's a reason why, like, they didn't really take off until Alive came out because... You can kind of hear on those first three releases that they're kind of intimidated being in the studio, that they held back a little bit. Not the case whatsoever with Van Halen. I mean, those guys just went in there and incinerated the place, um, just doing their live set and doing what they do. And, you know, there was no holding back. There was no, uh, you know, uh, reduction in energy or any of that stuff. Those guys just you know, went into the studio and destroyed it. And, uh, and it, all of that comes through. They didn't need a live album to, to sell the excitement of the band. I mean, it was all right there captured in the studio, which is not, uh, you know, not always the case. In fact, usually not the case uh, with a lot of bands. They, they're either intimidated or the in- environment is too sterile for them. They need that energy coming back at them from the crowd. Van Halen just just nailed it um, in all aspects. Not uh, not uh, you know intimidated at all by the studio environment. You're absolutely right, and I'm wondering if maybe that's due to the fact that a lot of this material they were playing live for years prior. Like they started in '73 doing these infamous backyard parties, and uh, yeah. "Out of Love Again" was actually one of those songs. It's one of the oldest songs that Van Halen is, is known to have written. So. They maybe had that confidence. Well, David Lee Roth was just has that confidence to do pretty much anything, right? But maybe they had that confidence going into the studio that, you know, they've already workshopped this material and got a response from it that they could lay it down on tape. And, Mark, you kind of mentioned the uh, the, the shorter timeline. This was kind of a, a thing in the 70s where it was record an album as quick as you can, get it out, get on the road, tour the world, and then get right back in the studio with no break. That's why you have albums coming out mm. 78, 79, 80. So less than a year after Van Halen 1 comes out, they're in the studio cranking out van halen too and that's just kind of how the cycle went but and i'm talking to two musicians here does that maybe kind of uh kind of keep the momentum going in terms of songwriting and stuff you're not taking a break you're you know you're almost keeping those skills nice and honed because you're using them so quick after the fact is there maybe some validity to that uh i feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword maybe um i think you're right yes the momentum is high, so you want to, or it's it's hot, so you strike while the iron's hot, right? Um, maybe because of the momentum, it gave them uh, a lot of 
energy, as you say. I mean, Van Halen's never been lacking in energy, I don't think, anyway, especially those first few albums. Um, and when the energy is high, you just... you you attack it you know you you feed off of it you keep going and so yeah that's probably it but at the same time you t- some musicians might get a little bit burned out doing that because you can only maintain that high for so long um in, in, until eventually you have to come down um maybe it wasn't maybe that's not their mindset but it uh would not surprise me if the the fact that the sheer fact that they were able to do that um, is because of that of said momentum. At least that's that's my two cents on it. Yeah, I mean there also wasn't this pressure to uh, you know put out a set, seventy minute seventy minute studio album. I mean these albums were a half hour long. Um, the other thing that you know um, that you guys know you're doing a Van Halen podcast, but most people know this as well is that. You know, on every album, there's a, a handful of tracks that they'd been playing since the backyard party days, either you know exactly as it was or some amalgamation of it. So they were they had all this material to draw from. Uh, it's not like they had to write an entire album from scratch. As we know, they tossed in a lot of covers, instrumentals, stuff like that. So I mean, um, so that kind of took took the pressure off of it. Um, in terms of like having to go in and compose a, a 12 track 60 70 minute album i mean they had yeah. all that material to draw from and um yeah they were just you know riding it and they kind of you know they, they actually they did burn out just uh after putting out five albums in five years then they took a year off and did 1984, and then they were done with each other. They couldn't stand each other. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they just, you know, went balls to the wall five years in a row, you know, album tour, album tour, album tour, which was kind of the way things were done back then. And, um, you know, when you're pushing things to the limit and you got these, you know, once in a lifetime group of guys, this the results you get speak for themselves. They're, it's the timeless, legendary music. There you have it. All right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So uh, Out of Love Again is the track tonight uh, from Van Halen 2. Uh, you know, which, uh, of course, it's known for more of the singles, Dance the Night Away and Beautiful Girls. Uh, Out of Love Again was the fifth track uh, on this album, uh, finished off side one uh, for all you vinyl lovers, uh, released in 1979. Like I mentioned, it was uh, one of the oldest songs Van Halen uh, has ever recorded. And uh, just reading a quote from uh, Eddie uh, before we started the podcast, and he talked about how one of the things that pissed him off about Van Halen one was you couldn't really hear the drums. And uh, he, he really wanted to showcase kind of the drums and the bass more. And um, Mark, I know in earlier shows we talked about how um, other drummers seem to kind of trash on Alex Van Halen a little bit. Uh, I feel that's kind of unnecessary. I, I think he's a very underrated drummer, and uh, his drumming is what I remember from Out of Love Again. Uh, Out of Love Again, when Chris brought it up, it's like I, I just remember that killer drum playing from Alex and the bass playing from Michael Anthony too. I think he also uh, underrated bass player. Uh, maybe we'll start with Chris on this one. Your thoughts on on the rhythm section on this song, which I thought was uh, outstanding. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, as we get into it, I'll have to I'll have to pay a, a close attention to the 
to the bass in this one, but um, you know the drumming is. I've I've personally never heard of any drummers bashing on Eddie on Alex Van Halen. It would surprise me to hear that. I mean, I I've, I, I well I hear non musicians uh, or non accomplished musicians bag on the likes of. Ringo Starr, Charlie Watts, those kind of guys, just because they're, you know, simple and um, not not Neil Pert technical, so therefore they must suck or they, they don't have the ability. But, you know, legitimate drum, you, you'll never hear a legitimate drummer bash Ringo Starr. Um, you just won't hear it. Um, so I've personally never heard any anybody r really bash Alex Van Halen. It surprises me to hear that somebody would do that, but uh, it, his just getting overshadowed by the by the you know the 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 dual threat of Roth and Eddie, but uh, you know the drumming is exceptional on nearly every cut, if not every cut. I mean, he's he's so unique. He's he's not. He's got. He's one of those guys who's. He's got that throwback quality of the to the swinging drummers out of Britain. You know the Mitch Mitchells, the Bill Wards, that kind of stuff. He's he's definitely. You know people talk about the swing in Van Halen music, and you know so the the tempo breathes, and he, he's he's not just playing these. You know caveman four four beats. You know he's he's putting in little jazz fills and other kinds of things and uh it, he, he is underrated absolutely and um just an outstanding drummer one of the all-time greats yeah i totally agree and i think uh yeah i i i should amend that i don't think it was musicians i was saying that i think it was like uh certain rock journalists who maybe you know haven't picked up an instrument in their life who you know that kind of thing yeah, but okay, i, I started on don't get me started on rock journalists. Uh, I've got my my opinions on them, and uh, you know they're not very favorable. But uh, you know, you know, rock journalists are like sports reporters. You know, these guys, these guys, they wanted to be the people that they're reporting on, but because mm -hmm. they didn't have the luck, the work ethic, or the talent to become those people, they sort of passive aggressively take out their frustrations on that on these accomplished people and it's just you know it's it's very transparent to me and to, to anybody who would bash uh alex van halen as a musician is is just doesn't get it so you, you take that opinion for what it's worth which is nothing and you just move on to the next one exactly mark you want to chime in on anything else before we play the track here I do remember the drumming for this uh, particular track, um, and I, I think I've even said before in previous episodes that uh, Alex is is certainly not – it's not Alex that is the standout of this band, but it's because he doesn't need to be. Um, he just needs to be the guy keeping it all together as as a drummer. Um, and and I have said he's 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 a more subtle – drummer than say some other uh rock drummers would be um but this this one i from what i remember it, it's been a little while since i've jammed this whole album um but i do love it and i do uh i do know it pretty well 
this one I do remember going uh, in my younger days thinking like, oh, li- listen to Alex, man. Like, like kind of like Hot for Teacher, man. You give you give Alex uh, that little intro and get, get to see what he really does. As you say, Chris, uh, utilizing that swing pattern, utilizing, uh, showing you exactly like, hey, look, I can, I can do. Uh, uh, a lot more than you think I can do. Like, watch. I just don't need to be showy. Uh, and this one, I don't think it's he's necessarily showy. We'll get into it as we listen, but I do remember being like, oh, okay, my ears perking up as the drums come in because Alex is going a little bit outside of the uh, reserved sort of drum playing, you know what I mean? Um, and you'll hear it as we go through it. But yeah, that that's definitely a standout. Uh, the bass, on the other hand, uh, I don't know that I ever I actually gave it like a thorough, thorough inspection. So I'm excited to to listen to that as we go through. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into uh, Out of Love Again from Van Halen 2. All right. A little slower intro. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not a drummer, but I, 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 I've, you know, been in tight rehearsal rooms with loud drummers and guys who play, and um, just listen to what he's doing with the hi hat on that. It's just like you know, opening and closing the hi hat, and like you know, he's he's not just whacking the snare drum and then not hitting it again until the next beat he's doing those kind of like you lay the stick down and then you're doing like a couple quarter notes in between and just that that tandem of what he's doing on the snare and hi-hat is just just driving everything you know and, and to the point where I'm, I'm not even really sure what he's doing with the kick drum but i'm sure it's pretty awesome too but when i hear it especially when the song kicks in just you know that snare work but then when the whole band comes in, just listen to what he's doing on that that hi hat. It's just driving the whole song. It's incredible, you know. That's a good word for it. Driving. That's 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 what it feels like. Like it's a drive. Like it's it's going towards something big. Yeah, and by by 1979, you know, mo- most uh, a lot of drummers were you know full on Bonham, which you know, mm-hmm. kind of the the drummers who who were influenced or ended up wanting to play like Bonham are similar to all the guitarists who wanted to play like Eddie Van Halen. It's like they, they grokked what was on the surface, but they left out all the nuance that made the, those two guys like legends and, you know, singular musicians. They just like in Eddie Van Halen's case, they, they mimicked all the flash stuff. And then drummers with Bonham were just like all about the power but you, you get the power here, but you also have the, the little nuances in the playing and just, you know, that, that harkens back to, you know, all those, all the drummers I referenced before who were all influenced by Buddy Rich, Gene Krupa, all those huge uh, jazz guys who were, who were, who were the flash, among the flashiest musicians to ever walk the earth. I mean, that's, that's what jazz to me, or that kind of jazz to me was, you know, 
is all about swinging your dick around as a musician and it's not a bad thing if you can back it up and you know those yeah. guys <laughs> those drum those drummers influenced a whole um generation including john bonham but everybody who heard bonham keyed in just on the power of it and just sort mm -hmm. of ignored all the all that uh jazz nuance and but you can definitely hear it in alex is playing here mm -hmm. absolutely i'm glad you pointed out the technical proficiency in there too because like you said what he's doing with the hi-hat there like it's it's very intricate it's very precise and uh he's nailing it and i just love alex van halen's uh snare sound uh, to me, yeah. it's very distinctive, right? You know a Van Halen song, even if you haven't heard the guitar yet, just by listening to Alex Van Halen's snare sound. And uh, yeah, I'm loving the start of this song, Mark. Yeah. Which is not, not easy to do, by the way. To, no. Uh, to make yourself recognizable by a snare drum. It's, no, that's it's not, not. That's not no. easy. <laughs> no, it's not. But you're not, right. And that, but that, that is the, the calling card of every great musician. Is like you can tell yeah. it's them playing and um mm -hmm. And yeah, people have definitely come around to that because that was like something I always thought to myself that he had such a distinct snare sound. And then, you know, once the internet uh, started coming around and go, I'd go on musician message boards and forums and stuff like that, and I started seeing more and more people talking about that, I was like, oh, cool. I'm not the only one who picked up on that because, uh, yeah. you know, there's... Uh, you know, there's a whole there's there, there's even videos out there like showing the taping patterns and all this stuff and precisely how to tune a snare drum to get Alex Van Halen's tone. It's like so people were everybody people were picking up on that. So definitely yeah. a cool thing. Awesome. All right, well let's keep going on this Sorry, I cut it off a little quick there, but I just want to talk about David Lee Roth for a little bit because uh, on our Twitter, yeah. there, there's kind of this going back and forth between Sammy versus Dave. And uh, the, the perception is always that David Lee Roth doesn't sound very good. And, and live, yeah, especially if you listen to the uh, live album they did in uh, 2012, whatever, the Tokyo Dome one. Live, he he never he was more of the showman, right? He didn't really care about his vocals, but I think Dave sounds fucking fantastic on this track. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, their opinions of him were a little sullied because, you know, he, he pretty, whether or not he was, uh, you know, fired or he quit on his own, the perception is that he walked out on the band and just decided, you know, that he was bigger in the band was going to do his own thing and i think that soured a lot of people on him and uh changed their perception of it but uh you know his uh his his studio vocals and all the you know six studio albums they did um you know diver down i think they kind of they ran out of gas a little bit um and then they picked it up again on 1984 but um you know he, he look he's, he's not going to be a uh He's he's not a Jeff Tate. He's not a uh, Bruce Dickinson. He's not you know a, a, any of these guys who have that extreme power and um, exact intonation of their voices. But you know for what they needed him to do and what he wanted to do, he pretty much nailed it. And and also as as you guys I'm sure agree, a very underrated lyricist as well. 
Oh yeah, so we talked about that on sometimes previous shows. Sometimes is a uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes sometimes his lyrics, uh, I kind of go, "All right, you're you're going for something there, Dave." <laughs> I'm not sure what it was, but uh, he d- yeah, he absolutely has his moments uh, here. I mean, look, yeah, you say what you want about Dave's vocals. I I have I've said my two cents about it uh, many a time, and I'll keep saying it. But I mean, he, you're not going to mistake him for anybody else. Uh, he's he he found his niche his niche his whatever you say the word and uh, stuck with it. And in this, he's just he really is going balls to the wall on it in a good way, mm-hmm. um, like right off the bat. So I. So far, no complaints from me whatsoever. I know. Talking about the lyrics, we did a couple episodes ago. We did "Honey, Baby, Sweetie Doll" from a different kind of truth. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and that was what I love the lyrics of that. And Mark was kind of like, "What the hell is that?" But I'm like, "No, I totally get it. This is almost kind of Bon Scott esque <laughs> what he's kind of going for in that song." So I totally agree. David Lee Roth, a completely underrated lyricist. Yeah, he, he had a, he has he's got a lot of great lyrics on uh, different kind of truth, which. Uh, to me, that that album was a triumph. You know, it was a. And you want to talk about energy, and and that's another thing. Like people bitching about, oh, oh, it's all old material, and they're just rehashing stuff. It's like they did that on every album they ever put out with Roth. I mean, right. all this, <laughs> sixty to seventy percent of all Van Halen you, you've ever heard with David Lee Roth in the band, they had all that stuff in one form or another when they were playing backyards in California. So it's all rehash shit, and you didn't seem to mind it back in the day, and now you're all old and bitter, and you're uh, casting dispersions at it for no good reason. So, uh, you know. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? it's yeah. like When a band finds their formula, like, use that formula. It's like you can grow, but, I mean, the formula, if it works there's a reason why plus oh, yeah, like, you know you... i was just going to point out the, the song we're doing tonight here is six years old because they wrote it around yeah. 72 73 and it came out in 79 so just to chris's point uh, you know this song alone here is six years old plus you know when yeah. you're you know kicking around in backyard parties and you got all this material together and you somehow make it big you bring some of that material in with a with a top flight producer like Ted Templeman, and he's gonna he's gonna hone it into something. You know, mm-hmm. you bring some of that material, and it's like you know you hear it all the time in these like classic album shows and whatever. It's like, what was that? Play that again, and it's like, oh, it's just warming up with something. And like, no, play that again, and then like, okay, put that here. Let's blend this together, and you you work with a professional producer, and suddenly again all that material suddenly becomes not only viable but some of the best Mm -hmm. uh, tracks ever recorded in rock so yeah you know why 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 uh leave all that uh in the trash heap and feel like you got to write uh brand new stuff every time it's just not necessary all right all right well uh, let's keep going here The other thing I, I never, believe it or not, of all the times I've heard this, I've never really made this connection, but like the, if you listen to almost the whole, like the whole structure of the song, it's based on three note or three chord 
segments. So like the main riff is mm. three notes and then a second set of three notes with the last note a lower in the first one. And then you got the bom 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 bom. It's all a, a collection of three note, three chord uh, progressions that they just you know assemble together and uh, you know it's all uh, everything's in threes musically which is kind of cool and it's simple you know I mean that main riff it's like you know you see these uh, these four year old kids on YouTube are playing Ingve Malmsteen stuff you know at age four this riff is, like I said, three notes. Doesn't get any more simple, but is, is there, you know, this to me is way more devastating than any kind of full-on shred guitar piece. I mean, it just like, you know, hits you right in the chest, and uh, and you know, mm -hmm. the, just the simplicity of it is really coming through to me while listening to it this way. Oh, that's a great observation. We've talked about that before. Uh, we always kind of compare it to uh, the guitar solo uh, from uh, Cult of Personality, where it's just notes, right? And just all over the place. And it's like, you, you need something that, that kind of fits the song. And you, uh, just three notes and, and just pounding it out and just with everything and, and how it works together. Uh, Mark, you're a musician. You could probably speak more coherently about that than I can. I mean, what do I say? Uh, sometimes less is more. And uh, nobody really, uh, I mean, there are a few bands that really stuck to that mentality because it worked for them. Van Halen's no exception. Sure, Eddie can shred. Eddie can give you all the notes in the world. Sometimes he does, but he does it in a way that's going to fit the format of the song that they're presenting. And sometimes the structure of the song they're presenting is very simple. You know, a th three chord structure. It's it's so simple but i mean at the same time kind of like chris just said there's still a devastation to it because there's power behind there's purpose behind those three chords um this is just one example of many van halen has yep absolutely all right let's keep going here <laughs> don't want to stop it because i'm enjoying it so much but they're just i know looking. i know we're just like just jamming over here but there's like there's so much to dissect from that um that baseline for sure like and once my ears finally tuned into it I was like oh i see what you're doing mike i hear you yeah. i hear you yeah just walking just walking down that thing uh and more and more i keep tuning into alex man it's just like i take it all back he he is standing out in this song whatsoever but in a good way in a fantastic way um chris the the, the word you use uh there's a drive to it i mean this this song just it doesn't stop driving it's all a drive um 
yeah man it's just it's yeah i'm like you Corey. it's like uh, keep playing i keep playing i want to hear more yeah yeah it's and it's like he threw the, threw in that you know dual cowbell hit in there just that that, yeah. that you know <laughs> came out of nowhere and we're about to hear just like right before to introduce a solo just a single shot on the ride cymbal bell and just that kind of creativity that uh you don't you don't hear anymore nowadays and uh but um, yeah, the, I mean the, the 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 overall production on this compared to one is a lot cleaner. There's a lot more space going on. There's it's not the guitar isn't like heavy phaser like it is on the first one. So mm -hmm. I think that kind of opens things up and 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 the drums aren't overproduced. So I think you know pulling off a lot of that reverb and stuff like that cleans it up, and you can hear there's a lot more separation even though as we know on the first album the guitars are panned hard right um so yeah. there's separation that way but in terms of this it's it's the separation between all of the instruments together that you can there's clarity to all of them you can you can hear like uh mark just said it's like uh, oh, oh wow i can hear what's going on with the bass because everything's not overproduced it doesn't all blend together because there's too much going on it's uh you know it's, mm -hmm. it's a better produced album than than one in my opinion it's just a lot cleaner a lot more space to it and and uh and uh yeah that's why you you, you can you can hear the drums and the bass a lot better than on the first one yeah, that, that's a great call. And you mentioned that that kind of symbol right before the guitar solo comes in here. Uh, uh, they played the song, of course, all through 1979, but they also played it like a dozen times uh, on the 2012 tour. And I remember an interview with Wolfgang Van Halen where he said right before Dad's solo on Out of Love Again, he, he would just give like a, a little note, just kind of like a little mm, that would always make his dad smile. And uh, uh, it just reminded me of that being Eddie Van Halen's birthday. I mean, this is the song we're listening to. That There's that kind of space there. And Wolfie would throw in a note uh, just to make his dad smile. So, uh, again, just kind of apropos, we're doing this song on uh, Eddie's uh, uh, Eddie's birthday here. So we're going into the solo now, and I can't wait uh, to hear this. So let's let's keep going here. And sorry, Mark. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> I was just going to say, all I was going to say was uh, you can keep cowbell classy. It's not just Blue Oyster Cult that does it. <laughs> Van Halen did it, too. That's right. Yeah, I mean that you know that that whole solo section is just that you know three musicians just locked in. You know Alex is doing his best Mitch Mitchell imitation. It's basically <laughs> it, it's essentially Jimi Hendrix experience, but you know on steroids. A decades later, and um, um, you know it, and that's another thing is like they didn't feel the need to overdub a rhythm guitar. It's just you know you don't need it just just have just have the you know the three guys playing and uh you, uh 
you don't need to clutter it up with unnecessary stuff when guys are playing this great you know just let them mm-hmm. like put a mic up and let them play you know and just uh uh let them rip and that's exactly what they did i mean that that solo section is among the most exciting segments in the entire van halen catalog to me oh i agree totally and and as a non-musician when you were talking chris about the separation i really noticed it in that section because yeah the the drums were front and center the bass was front and center and the guitar was front and center like everything was just Mm -hmm. had room to breathe and you could appreciate it all and uh as a non-musician i just really uh, appreciated that. Uh, what did you think, Mark, of that whole uh, solo section? That, kids, is how you play a solo that fits the song. It's necessary for the song. Uh, I reiterate everything Chris just said. It's just three dudes just, you know, ha- here's a mic, go. Just play there. This didn't feel like, oh, it's Eddie solo, so everyone, you know, get get out of the way and just, you know, be background noise while he plays no this felt like it's eddie solo uh everyone keep up and they did um because yeah it's just like michael didn't fall away he's he's right there just just you know doing laps with his fingers there and then alex is absolutely just holding it it's like you keep up with me bro can you can you do it and yeah so it's it's almost like it's not even a solo this is a trio the only one that uh took a break or took a smoke break what have you is his tave um uh, i well smoke break never mind anyway uh <laughs> but yeah there's just there's i mean what what else could i possibly add to it than you know just listen to it man that's just beautiful yeah dave was banging some chick in the vocal booth while all that was going on so. yeah that's what he was doing <laughs> All right, let's keep it rolling here. All right, out of love from Van Halen too, um, Chris. Uh, uh, much like your show, I know you guys have uh, "Sweet Surrender" or "Kick in the Crotch." Here, uh, <laughs> I know in the, in the Van Halen days you did "Hell or Hallelujah." Uh, I was kind of thinking because I got to rip off "Pot of Thunder" whenever I can because it is the gold standard when it comes to rock and roll podcasting. Like, what is there Van Halen related that we could vote on? So we have. Uh, uh, we, and it's all Sammy stuff, unfortunately, for tonight. But it's, uh, uh, you know, either uh, we're taking it higher and higher uh, from Dreams, from 5150, or This Dream is Over from Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. So uh, we'll, we'll go around the horn. You give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and I'll play the clip. Uh, I'll start first. Um, out of Love again from Van Halen 2. That's what dreams are made of as far as i'm concerned this is van halen a perfect van halen song um it encompasses everything i love about the david lee roth era of van halen everything was just fantastic it great driving beat uh, I, I enjoyed the lyrics i thought dave sang great the screeches sounded fantastic the solo was amazing alex was mm-hmm. at the top of his game and i really enjoyed the bass i know um I, I just got done reading the noel monk book and he was talking about how eddie 
you know, would complain that, oh, I had to teach Michael Anthony how to teach, you know, how to play a solo. And they wanted to cut him out of royalties starting around 1984. But I thought Michael Anthony, again, from a non-musician, sounded fantastic on this track. So I'm giving this uh, a very hearty, uh, that's what dreams are made of. Let's uh, go to Mark next. Uh, what did you think of Out of Love Again? It is no dream, if you will it. Uh, something I just want to point out is Dave going into those uh, the head voice howling in between uh, singing in his you know regular uh, 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 range, you know, just a <laughs> you know going real high. You know that was a bad impression, but you get what I'm saying. Like that's not easy to do, but he makes it sound like he he just does it every. Like willy nilly, and maybe he does, maybe he did. Uh, but to make it sound good, like he did, to fit the song, to actually, you know, go from uh, regular vocal range to the hot to the high uh, uh, head voice, that's back and forth like that is not easy. Any vocalist will tell you that, and if they say it is easy, they're either lying or there's something impressive, or maybe they're Bruce Dickinson. I don't know. Uh, but this song is it's just it's such a it's such a groove it's such a rocking groove you know how how could you not appreciate this that i would dare say i'd put this song in some of the upper echelon of van halen tunes that are just good rocking songs just good songs to rock and this is one of those tunes that utilizes every single member of the band doing what they do best all together you know, there's no there's no weakest link in this, in my opinion, I don't think so. This, this is a winner for me. This is absolutely a winner. But uh, uh, Chris, what say you? Not much suspense here. <laughs> a tad academic. Maybe. It was rhetorical, but we wanted to hear it anyway. Yeah, no, you got to make it official. But uh, you know, like I said, I mean, this is literally my my first um, taste of Van Halen back in the day, and just uh, when it makes uh, that kind of impression on you with three notes and a TV commercial, it's just like uh, you know. Of course, that's what dreams are made of, and it literally. Uh, changed my life in terms of sent me down some uh, some new roads in terms of the music I was listening to uh, inspired me to beg the old man to buy me a guitar you know literally changed my life and uh, you know it all started with with that riff and then when I heard the whole song and the rest of the album that's the other thing I wanted to mention is um, when I first heard uh, Dance the Night Away on the radio I thought it was like a Motown, like, uh, I was like, what Motown group is this? And it's pretty cool that they're getting with the times and adding some rock guitar to what they're doing. I thought it was like a, an updated Motown song. I really did. And, uh, you know, with the backing vocals and everything. And then when I found out it was Van Halen, that just sealed the deal for me. I mean, it was... Uh, uh, just invigorating exciting life-changing all of that and it's not you know that's just that's not hyperbole it's just a fact for me and uh just amazing stuff and and you know um his his, his passing a couple couple years ago you know 
you knew it was coming um, based on all the reports and stuff, but like when you when you see that in your push notifications, it's just like it just stops you in your tracks, and you just you know you're kind of I don't know that just affects you forever, and uh, you know the the the, the just the the joy this guy gave me and you guys i'm sure as well with with his music is just you know he, he was a, a a gift from wherever he came from and uh, a gift to us all and uh, th this is a, a a really good uh recorded example of that very well said and i know when uh, eddie passed i was i uh, in my day job I work as a community television producer and we do a show called the vinyl countdown at a record shop where the guys bring on their favorite vinyl records and talk about it. And we're halfway through shooting a show and I got the notification, like we have to stop. We're not doing this show anymore. Grab your favorite Van Halen record. Uh, we got to do a tribute to Eddie because uh, the world just kind of stopped uh, for me mm -hmm. that day. Cause it, it felt like somebody, I, you know, somebody I greatly admired had, had passed away. And uh, that's one of the reasons why um, I, I called up Mark out of the blue. We used to podcast on different topics like movies and stuff. And I just said, Hey, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm ripping off this format from pot of thunder cause they do it so well, but let's do it with Van Halen because there's so many great tracks and pot of thunder gave me a gift of appreciating kiss and becoming more of a KISS fan. And if we can maybe do that for somebody when it comes to Van Halen, and we kind of already are with my wife, who doesn't didn't really like Van Halen, is listening to our show going, hey, that song was really good. Hey, that next song was really good. Mm -hmm. You know, it, even if just one person uh, gets turned on by this band from uh, something we're introducing to them, um, God, man, is that worth it? Because, yeah, this, this band means the That's world the to goal. us. Uh, Eddie meant the world to us. And this is a, just a perfect example of Van Halen. Uh, Mark, uh, how about some of your thoughts here? I mean, it's absolutely. What 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 else could I possibly say about uh, the great Eddie Van Halen and just the band in general? Um, but it is Eddie's birthday. From uh, wishing you a happy birthday from beyond the grave. Here we are, gone but not forgotten whatsoever. Obviously, we're doing a whole podcast about uh, the legacy of the band and its music and what the what it's meant to me. What I really enjoy about this is that. Uh, Chris uh, was was kind enough to give us sort of the backstory into why this song, uh, like what this song means to him, and uh, it's you mentioned that it not only gave you the introduction of Van Halen, but then it was also okay, cool. Now I gotta go, I gotta go get a guitar. I gotta learn how to play. I gotta like, I'm just, I'm, I'm full of inspiration to play and. Eddie Van Halen did that for me. I, I would not be playing guitar right now. I probably would not have gone the musician's route maybe so soon or at all had it not been uh, for this guy, for this band. And, you know, and I appreciate that. And I think uh, he did that for a lot of us out there, a lot of musicians out there. This whole band, I mean, it's just what 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 more could you ask for? Than the gift of of some music that uh, takes you someplace, uh, connects with you on a personal level, and say what you want about the the content of the lyrics, whatever. It, they're all about partying. They're all about whatever have you. No, no, no. It's not about that. It's about connecting to the music, feeling it, the rhythm, uh, listening to the solo, and being like, "That's a rock god. I I must learn the ways." Uh, or f feeling like, oh man, the rhythm section is just so like I I can, I feel it. I I, I want to do that. I want to I want to be a part of that. 
that's what it's all about, man. Music is love. Music is appreciation. This band was full of both of those things, and so we're honored to uh, uh, to help give back in some small way. Uh, and and if, as Corey said, I reiterate, if we can help introduce people to this band uh, just by explaining what the what it means, to, what the band means to us, what these songs mean to us, uh, even the songs that maybe aren't so good in our opinions. Someone out there will think, well, that's wrong. I really love that. Cool. I'm a fan now. That's the goal. That's the appreciation. And we appreciate you. We appreciate all of you. We appreciate this band. And we appreciate awesome guests like Chris. I want to thank you, Chris, for being on the show, man. So, where can the good people find you if they want to check out all the stuff that you're doing? Uh, go to uh, potofthunder.com is our website. And then, uh, you know, look for us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, for those who are not familiar with the show, I uh, just want to reiterate that we, we did, in fact, exhaust the KISS catalog. We made it through some 270, 280 studio cuts on we did just their studio cuts we didn't do live albums but we did do the four solo albums and we did them all at random and uh so we're still going on what we do is we have a uh submission uh capability on the website where you can uh, send us a song you'd like us to analyze and um so since uh i think uh I want to say the KISS stuff wrapped up in 2018, 2019. So for the past three years or so, we've just done random tracks uh, submitted by our listeners. Um, occasionally, we don't like what the listeners have submitted, so we just uh, you know pick our own off the list or just pick them out of nowhere, uh, do some themed months. Uh, Based on uh, you know certain things, uh, February is February songs uh, inspired by the vibe of Lou Rawls uh, and, and tying in with the romance of February and Valentine's Day and all that, um, and uh, you know just trying to keeping it going because uh, like when we started out we we're just like yeah let's do the whole Kiss catalog because we're really just going to do ten episodes before we get bored and get sick of each other and get discouraged because nobody's listening and it turned out to be quite the opposite and when we got to the end of the kiss catalog people just wanted us to continue and that just seemed like the uh the reasonable way to go so we're still at it and um you know 450 episodes i think we're up to now so check it out there's a lot of variety in there and uh hopefully you like it as much as these guys liked it it's my favorite podcast, and I know I have uh, drunkenly added some songs to the listener submission list. None have come up yet, but I'm hopeful. I actually put a Wolfgang Van Halen song on the listener submission list. Uh, so I'm hoping you guys may check that out because I really like that album, and I thought Wolfie did a great job. So uh, if you ever do Mr. Yeah. Ed uh, from Wolfgang Van Halen, uh, I know I put that on the submission list. One I haven't put on yet, though, but I'm hoping right around Canada Day you can convince Mr. Jericho to come back on the show and finally do Love and Every Minute of It by Loverboy which is like the Canadian national anthem in some parts. Of that, well, yeah, that, that, trust me, that whether it's with Jericho or not, that will happen. Because Nick is also a big fan. Um, uh, 
to the point where I'm tempted to do a lover boy podcast about uh, their their stuff. Uh, Ooh, you know, boy. another another band that that gets slagged on, you know, because they've got you know leather clad man ass on their most uh, favorite uh, famous album, but. Those guys are legit, man. They got a ton of great material, and uh, that that one will definitely happen at some point. So, uh, make no mistake about it. That one will be featured. That's an epic, epic tune. Absolutely. Now, if you ever need a co-host for your All uh, Lover Boy podcast, give me a shout because uh, I'm a Canadian, so I am all in on Lover Boy. I, I I love that fucking band, but. I know we're now we're into the podcast here, and I kind of floated this idea earlier, but because it's Eddie Van Halen's birthday, and because I have two guitar players on the show here tonight, and I'm not a guitar player, but and we originally said we're not going to do any instrumentals because too hard to kind of analyze, right? But I have two guitar players here, and we have Eddie Van Halen's birthday. Would you guys be willing to listen to Eruption and give us just a quick analysis of what you're hearing with Eruption? Oh, Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Tw twist my arm a little bit, you know. Uh, <laughs> hold a gun to my head, force me to do it. But yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll agree to that. No problem. All right, folks, you're getting a bonus uh, content here tonight. We're getting a, a little bit of eruption from Van Halen 1. So you just heard Running With The Devil, which is a song we covered on our very first episode. Uh, imagine, yeah. you know, it's the, it's the 70s. You're popping the vinyl on the turntable. The next song you hear is this. Wow, Chris, uh, let's start with you. You're our guest. Uh, your impressions of Mr. Van Halen and Eruption. Well, um, like I said, uh, I, I, the first album kind of eluded me in real time. You know, I, I was, you know, I was born in 66, so I was, you know, alive when all this stuff was coming out. But I didn't get a taste of it until 79 with the second album. So then I had to double back to the first album. So I think that the impact of eruption was a little diminished for me for that reason. I mean, had I, you know, 
been on board when it first came out, it probably would have, you know, hit me a little, little harder, but still, regardless, you know, for a guy who was, who's my age, who was, you know, 12, 13, uh, when these albums were coming out, absolutely my generation's Hendrix in terms of, uh, you know, you put it on and you're just like, where the, what the fuck is this? Nobody's ever done this before. What planet is this guy from? And that's, you, you read about, I was alive, you know, I was zero years old when Hendrix came out. And um, so I didn't, obviously didn't, wasn't around, able to appreciate it when it was coming out. But that's what you hear people say about um Hendrix is just like this guy was just put, placed here from another planet. I mean, where, where, where is this sound coming from? What's he doing? And yeah, it's just mind-boggling and just uh, you know inspired uh, millions of guitarists, uh, musicians, really to uh, you know take things to the next level. You know, for me, it, it inspired me, but by the same token, it's like. I never aspired to learn eruption because I was just like, this is beyond my capabilities. In fact, I, I proved it to, proved it to myself uh, with back in the day, they used to have these things, they were called Starlicks sets. It was like a, you'd get a cassette and a little booklet of, you know, tablature. And so you could learn solos of your heroes. And it was, I got the Starlicks Van Halen first one was the solo of push comes to shove you know and i'm sitting there listening to the cassette i'm you know 14 something like that listening to the cassette trying to trying to match it up with the tablature and then even more impossible trying to play it on my guitar and i'm just like five minutes in i was just like you know what I could probably learn all these notes in about 20 years, but even if I learn all the notes, I'm never going to get all those little nuances. And so at, th at that moment, I was like, you know what, for better or for worse, I got to learn how to play my own style and sound like myself. So he actually, with his stuff being so impossible, he uh, inspired me to uh, take the easier road and sound like myself. And for that, I, you know, I thank him for that. Uh, I'm not sure anybody any, anybody who's ever heard me play is thanking anybody for that, but for me, inspired me to develop my own style. Because as we know, you know, Van Halen, he always talks about how Clapton was his biggest influence, and he learned the the crossroads solo, crossroads solo, off of Wheels of Fire, note for note. But he doesn't sound anything like Eric Clapton. He just he developed his own style, learned the material, but then you know became his own player, and then in my own roundabout way, that's the same trajectory I took after listening to him. So uh, inspiring in so many ways, and like I said, when when you're hearing those albums come out in real time, or in my case, double back a year later, you're just like, what the fuck is this? What what solar system is this guy from? It's just, you know, just leaves you slack jawed and it just makes, inspires you to want to do something that cool with your life.
Well said. And Mark, you were one of those guitar players inspired by Eddie Van Halen. What are your thoughts on Eruption? Well, as a quick sidebar, I thought this whole time the Canadian National Anthem was Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart, but that's just me. Close second. Uh, Close second. Actually, working for the weekend is probably the Canadian Um, National Anthem. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, But this is the first album that I ever purchased myself by Van Halen was the best of volume one. I've, I've talked about what that album has meant to me just from the inside cover alone. And the album starts with eruption. So needless to say, uh, my, my journey into Van Halen that really, I mean, I had heard them before, obviously songs picked throughout, uh, uh, the years, um, from the radio or from wherever, from like my parents playing them. Uh, but really that was my first journey into the depths was that album. And when it starts with eruption, how could I possibly go any further than that? You know, as far as I was concerned, that is the quintessential, like, this is me. I'm Eddie Van Halen. Nice to meet you. Listen to this. (laughs) And for those of us out there that were becoming musicians back then, uh, the, there was a small group. We knew that you re- you want to be a great guitar player, you got to learn that. You got to learn how to play Eruption. And if you can do that, you can do anything. In hindsight, what a bunch of dummies. Because uh, that that was the impossible dream, playing Eruption. It, it, to this day, I mean, I probably could pick out a few dudes that could play it. But like Chris said, that's they'll never capture the nuance that uh that that eddie was able to to bring out in playing this in creating composing if you will this uh grand it, i don't i i don't even want to call it a solo because it's just it's just a composition of eddie just letting a rip you know and if you can play eruption, if you want, if you're a guitar player and that's that's your goal is to learn how to play this song, more power to you. That's great. But if you don't quite get there, if you don't quite match it, it's okay because you're not supposed to. It's this is Eddie. This is quintessential Eddie Van Halen. This is his style. This is his thing. This is his uh, um, his design, if you will. But I but I'll never forget that listening to it for the first time and then just listening to it over and over and over and over again till I just, you know, destroyed the CD uh, because that this track is just such a huge inspiring piece of, of, of just material for, for any musician back then, but especially me. Um, I, I dare not venture into the realm of, can I play it? Because that's all folly. And honestly, I wouldn't want to because I just I appreciate it just as a listener, just as a, a musician tipping my cap because this is just it's it's brilliant what this is and it's just that's that's all, that's all I can say about it. It's just it's just brilliant and I don't I don't need to replicate it. It needs no replication whatsoever. It is what it is and it will be here for uh for as long as people care to hear Eddie Van Halen. Absolutely. And as a non-musician uh, on the panel, I appreciate it on that level too. And just thinking about uh, Eddie instrumentals, uh, I always kind of gravitate to 316 because uh, it was one he wrote for his son and, and, I, and I'm a dad. And that's that's one I always kind of related to. 
just because it feels like a song written by a father for a child and and, and and so emotionally I connected that one but technically you listen to something like Eruption and it's like holy motherfuck like what the hell like Chris said what planet is this guy from because like you know who can do that and there's uh, it's just unbelievable and I'm so glad we had this opportunity on Eddie Van Halen's birthday to talk about a a great Van Halen track because we haven't had one in a couple of weeks Mark and and B to, to get your guys opinion on Eruption and to have Chris on I am such a huge fan of, of pot of thunder and i really appreciate appreciate you coming on the show you made me a kiss fan uh, from your show and i'm, I'm just kind of hoping we can reciprocate for somebody with van halen and um just thank you so much for taking time the time tonight to, to join us here I, yeah absolutely appreciate the invite and like i said it, it just like we were supposed to do i was supposed to be on the inside episode last week and uh just i can't it's something something just got crossed up with me schedule wise and i just asked if we could postpone it a week not even realizing that it was going to be eddie's birthday and just uh you know that's the kind of thing that uh you know that kind of serendipity is as i get older i come to appreciate it for what it is that it's like kind of a uh, almost a a divine turn of events that gives uh you know three van halen fans like us the opportunity to talk about the talk about him uh on his birthday even though he's no longer here so that's that's pretty cool stuff man now real quick uh, what are your thoughts on inside would you have uh uh, given it uh this dream is over or is that what dreams are made of you know I, I, before i listened to the episode i was like because i owned 5150 i mean I, I will say that there 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 was that excitement about the new van halen with uh with um sammy and uh you know I, I, there, there's some good stuff on there i mean you know the the good enough opening it up was pretty damn exciting and stuff but like i said i owned 5150 i couldn't tell you how inside went I, i'm not even sure i listened to it more than once ever and uh and i'm that's kind of kind of the way it is with some of the kiss stuff like we, we we've analyzed every kiss song in there and then when i sort of retweet about the old episodes i'm like i have no recollection of what that song goes like i don't couldn't hum the melody <laughs> to you at all i don't know what it is it's just completely forgettable um so then i listen to the episode and i'm just like yeah um this would have the dream is over here for me um <laughs> and like we've talked about you know i was perfectly willing to come in and do the random things i think that adds to the sort of appeal and excitement and forces you to speak off the cuff about stuff but as i said before I, we started recording i think we, we we couldn't risk drawing uh uh how, what what is that song i referenced off of the third one me say i or whatever the <laughs> the hell the title of it is but it's just like we, we couldn't risk getting a dog on on eddie's birthday so i'm glad you guys gave me the opportunity to make the selection absolutely and that oh, yeah. uh, that seat is always <laughs> open my friend uh if you ever want to come back on the show and spin the wheel and, and take your chances uh we'd love to have you back yeah definitely and uh you know we'll we'll return the favor as well because that's one of the things we're gonna want to do more of uh um this year is uh get more of our fellow podcasters on uh and and hopefully 
you know, other guys, other people, uh, you know, prominent musicians and stuff. We're, we're going to do a lot more reaching out to people to, uh, you know, be guests on the show and participate in what we've got going on. So, so we'll, we'll definitely, uh, return the favor at some point this year. Oh, that'd be amazing. I know we have to introduce Mark to some lover boy, I think. That's I know lover boy. <laughs> yeah, but when, when, when you're, uh, when you're consuming it with other people who are way into lover boy, yeah. it, it changes you. It changes your perception. That's of it. So fair enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to be consumed by lover boy. It's good, man. That's right. You, know, you heard it here. It's, they are, uh, they're the shit, man. I'm, I'm a big fan. And like I said, it, you, 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 loving every loving every minute episode is absolutely happening at some point in the future so get ready for it awesome well, we are ready we're always ready that is the show you guys uh but if you want to reach out to us you can you know you can find us at podcast will rock on twitter uh we, we, we love getting responses. We're getting a lot of uh, responses from you guys. Uh, always uh, check out the uh, rock and polls that we have put up. It's usually always uh, Sammy versus Dave, but you never know. There might be there might be some more to it, but definitely check that out. Tweet to us. Go to the website and the podcast will, will rock.com. We've got merch. That's right. T public merch check that out get you some shirts get you some tanks some hoodies because it's still cold out there Corey can tell you more than i can about that uh you, you gotta stay warm i know i got some hoodies coming my way pretty soon so definitely check that out check out our website in case you miss an episode we we got it posted all there uh and be on the lookout we might actually uh start posting some other things going on uh maybe i got some gigs coming up and you're curious if you're in the nashville area We'll post about it. Keep an, a weather eye out. And, uh, Corey, if they want to reach you on the social medias, where can they find you? They can find me at CD Morset. And, uh, yeah, keep the conversations coming. I know we had a good one about Inside. We had one fan who uh, really digs that track and thought it was kind of encompassed everything he liked about Van Halen and a bunch of other people that said, really? Uh, Inside, not so much. I know on the poll, uh, most people agree with me and Mark that Inside was a miss, but um, th that's the beautiful thing about Van Halen. Uh, every every track's going to have a, it's, its fans, right? And there's people out there that loved Inside, and that's great. But I imagine we're not going to get a lot of negativity when it comes to Out of Love Again and Eruption as well, two absolutely classic Van Halen tracks. Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, we mentioned before, uh, check out Pot of Thunder. Definitely want to check out that uh that podcast wonderful chris uh do you have any social medias uh you can direct the people to if they want to shout at you yeah just uh search pot of thunder on uh in, we're on instagram facebook and twitter um so yeah come find us and get involved in the conversation our listeners like to uh discuss every episode and other how many other topics we post about so it's it's fun and uh that's what really what's all about just uh a way to have some fun in this uh, crazy world we've got going on today. So. Fun is the name of the game. Shout it out loud. Uh, and you can find me at Mark the Bat on Twitter and Instagram. Definitely hit me up if uh, you've got 
your uh, your complaints about my my thoughts or if I'm uh, wrong about numbers and stuff. I love hearing it. Let's interact. Let's keep interacting and let's keep rocking because that's what we do here. Celebrating Van Halen on and the podcast will rock podcast and we will rock you later. Later.